Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest. She's a trailblazer. She's a go-getter. She's passionate and she's as smart as they come. Colleen Callender is the former CEO of two iconic Australian fashion brands, Suzanne and Sports Girl. But she very nearly didn't get there. In 2007, Colleen was saying yes to everyone and everything, trying to please everyone. And that resulted in her hitting the proverbial brick wall. Yep, she was completely exhausted and needed time away to look after herself. She details all this and more in her just released book. It's called Leader by Design, with inspiring lessons from her 30 years in retail. I got so much out of this chat with Colleen, I'm sure you will too. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. I'm excited to finally meet you. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to meet you as well. Well, jump straight in. I'd love to understand the decision behind leaving school at 16 at the end of year 11. Was that because you were just eager to get on with life? Yeah, I I think I was a little bit overexcited, Emma, right from the word go on many (laughs) things in my life. But uh, now, look, the honest truth is I absolutely love to work from a very young age. And I would go to work with my father on the work side. I would work in the family businesses. And I just loved everything around working and business. And, you know, I would sit next to my father at home when he'd have business meetings. And, you know, I was this tiny little blonde thing and I would hope no one saw me and I didn't say a word and I just listened. And I was so intrigued around everything, you know, business and money and rents and turnover and property. And so I was like this little sponge from a very, very young age. And and yeah, I just love business and I wanted to get into the world and just start working. I love that. I love that. You sound a little bit like me, (laughs) scarily. (laughs) I mean, you rose through the ranks in retail pretty quickly, right? Yes, I did. I did. As I said, I I finished at 16 and I was super duper excited because I had all of this sort of um, experience working in businesses with mum and dad. But at 16, I got what I call my real job. And it wasn't just a real job. It was in the fashion industry. So I worked all summer. And then at the end of that year 11, I um, I got offered a full-time job and, you know, the area manager came down and spoke to me and said, Cole, you've just done such a great job. We'd love you to stay on. And, you know, and she said, you've got potential. And what 16-year-old wouldn't be excited about someone saying to you, you know, you've got potential. So off I went and I ran home. We lived a few blocks from the 
the city was a few blocks from where we lived and, and I ran up the stairs and went to go through the door and my heart sank because I knew at that moment what was on the other side of that door and it was my parents. And I was about to tell them that I wasn't going to finish school. I wasn't going to be that lawyer or vet or doctor or all the things they wanted me to be. I wanted to go and work in retail. And, and yes, I did. I, I worked really hard. I rose through the ranks. I got my first managerial role at 18. I was an area manager at the age of 20. And I was running the state at the age of 24, which sounds quite crazy when I think about that today. And I had 54 stores, I had three direct reports, and I just continued to sort of climb through the ladder and up that ladder um, until in 1999, Sports Girl approached me and asked me to join that business. And, you know, an amazing, iconic brand. Again, what, what young girl or young woman wouldn't be excited about getting asked to join the sports girl business? So up until March 2020, that's where I've spent my last 20 years of retail, which when I say that also makes me feel really old, Emma. So, <laughs> um, But no, it's been a fabulous, fabulous you know, career. That's amazing. It's amazing just to hear that hard work and tenacity obviously you had a stack of potential that person saw in you at 16 but then to rise through and I've got a copy of your new book which we'll talk about in a minute but 2007 for you was a game changer can you tell me what happened and at the time you were general manager of sports girl is that right yeah that's right I was yes it was it was 2007 it was a big year for me I I at that stage had three young children Uh, Macy was two, Trent was nine and Jake was 10. And I'd been at Sports Girl for eight years by this time and I was acting general manager. And Emma, I can only describe myself and I I describe myself in my book as this, I was this red Ferrari. And I was a red Ferrari that had never filled its tank. I hadn't put air in my tyres. I hadn't pulled into the pits. I hadn't been in for a service. And I was 36 years of age and I was utterly burnt out. I literally just hit a wall. And it wasn't that I didn't have passion for what I did. I absolutely loved my job. And I was so proud of what I'd been able to achieve throughout my career. But I just had nothing left in my tank. And I I came home that night and said to my husband, I'm done. They were my words. And I'm a very all or nothing kind of person. That's very much my personality. And I, lucky I've got a really supportive husband and I was very emotional at the time. And I walked in the next day and resigned. And lucky for me, um, they didn't accept my resignation. And instead, I took three and a half, nearly four months off. I went and put that red Ferrari in for a very well overdue service. And I returned four months later as CEO of Suzanne. And, you know, for me, Emma, I talk about it was probably the best lesson in self-care ever. And if I hadn't have hit that point of burnout in 2007 and gone and refueled, I don't think I would have had my 50th birthday this year. So, you know, I really had to change my life and I realised that I had to be good to myself before I could be good to anyone else. Mm, It's so sad that it got to that point, right? Because you just keep going. And as mothers and people who are interested in their career. I mean, I've always been a career woman. I'm very interested in my career, but I can see how easily it can, you know, flick into burnout if we're not careful. And as women, we often put everyone else before ourselves. Why do you think that is? We absolutely do. And and to your point on burnout, I work with so many women today that are on that train to burnout town. And so, you know, my job and, and your job and collectively together, I want to make sure that we can help those women not hit that point of, you know, where I got to. But yes, we absolutely are. We are 
we're actually natural pleasers. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. And, you know, we have this habit of saying yes. In fact, it's even more than a habit. It actually becomes like an addiction. And it was an addiction for me. You know, I said yes to everything. It didn't matter how full my plate was. You know, my EA would say to me, Cole, you've been invited to speak at an event on Friday night, but you've got a dinner booked in with someone. And I'd say, cool, no worries. We'll make both of those work. That's fine. It can happen. Or, you know, you've got a meeting here, but someone else needs you for a board meeting there. Oh, that's fine. We'll juggle both of them, pop them in the diary. It's okay. You know, I would not want to say no to anyone because it became like I was needed and I was important. And it actually makes us feel like we're validated, whether that be from a parent or a colleague or a friend, or it doesn't matter who it is. It makes us feel validated as human beings. And I say to women I work with, please don't look to anyone else to validate you. You don't need anyone else to validate you. You don't need to seek approval from anyone. You are enough. You will always be good enough. So let's stop pleasing other people because it comes at a cost to us and let's start pleasing ourselves. Yeah. It's really important. I mean, there's no shortage of work with women who are people pleasers. (laughs) I can guarantee that. Absolutely, yes. Tell me, why do you think there are so few women CEOs in this country? It's a great question, Emma, and I wish it was one that I could change. You know, we have less than 20% of females that hold CEO positions in this country, and that is a number that I'm super proud of being a part of, but it's also one that absolutely concerns me and one that I want to do something about. And I think there's a couple of reasons. I think we need a circuit breaker. I believe that we recruit like-minded people. We surround ourselves with like-minded people. So we have a huge uh, industry of male domination in the corporate world. And so the cycle has been that they recruit like-minded people. And that has been the case for a very, very long time. So we need to be a circuit breaker. We need to start to bring women into those corporate roles. We need to change that mindset. And once we do that, we will start bringing more women in because we will also want like-minded women to sit around the table with us. So I do think that's slowly starting to change, but it's not changing fast enough. I think that's one of the reasons. The other big reason is that we need to help women build the confidence to actually put their hand up. We need to help women have that confidence to say, I want to put my hand up for the promotion. I can walk into that boardroom and kill it with confidence. I can have a voice and I can demand a seat at that table. And I think the biggest thing that holds us back and one of the biggest chapters outside of leadership in my book is confidence. It is a real challenge and again, something that I work with women every day on. Yeah. In my book, I talk about confidence a lot as well. And you know, the old fake it till you make it drives me insane. I'm like, let's just own it, ladies. Yes, absolutely. It's not a strategy. Fake it till you make it is not a strategy. (laughs) Like, let's just own ourselves. Let's just be who we are and be proud of that. Yeah, totally. Totally. I'm with you. It makes me so cross that we're not further along. But I think, you know, we as women need to just continue to keep on the bandwagon of we can do this and we've got to make space for each other at the senior ends. Absolutely. You're on a mission these days. Tell me what you're doing. Yeah, as I, as I said, I'm that red Ferrari still. Um, I just drive her differently. I'm always on a mission. In fact, someone asked me the other day um, in an interview, you know, Cole, are you still that 
red Ferrari or did you get a chance to change that make and model? And I said, we don't get a chance to change that make and model. We are who we are. You know, we are born that way. So you just need to manage and drive it differently. But yes, I am on a mission. And, you know, I talk about Emma and my as a CEO, my mission was to engage and inspire and empower people to bring their best selves to work every day and be the best version of themselves. And in this chapter, this chapter I'm writing right now, my mission is exactly the same. I'm just doing it in a different way, whether that be through speaking events or wonderful podcasts like your own or through my book. You know, I'm still on that same mission. And, and it's a very dual purpose that I have. One is to inspire and empower women to step up, have a voice, live with purpose. And as we just talked about, get more women at the table with confidence. And you know, I'm really passionate about that. And the other is to inspire organisations, you know, those leaders at the top to start to lead differently, to start to lead with kindness and compassion and trust and authenticity. And that also will allow more women to get a seat at the table because that is naturally, again, who we are. And I really want organisations to change the way they think about that, the way they think about leadership and really start to put people at the heart of everything they do and really encourage more women to take the helm. Yeah, yeah. As women, we're very good at negative self-talk. I've gotten better at it over the years, as in having less of it rather than more of it. How do we overcome our own negativity and build ourselves up? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it takes a lot of practice, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's hard work to do that. I think it all starts with the power of confidence. It all starts with that. And again, you know, in my, in my book, there's a, a big chapter on that. And, you know, this lack of confidence is what holds people back. It's It's why people stay in jobs they don't like. It's why people are in toxic relationships. It's why people don't put their hand up for that promotion. And the first thing I say to people is that confidence starts internally. It starts with you. And again, let's not look anywhere else to anyone else to build our confidence. It's up to us. It's our responsibility. And there are so many things we can do to build confidence. And some of them are little mindset changes and others are big things that we have to work much harder on. But to your question, you know, what is the biggest thing we can do to change that negative self-talk? The biggest thing we can do is change our story. And when we change our story, we change our life. You know, we all, and particularly women, we have this inner critic in our head that is very, very judgmental. And, you know, she says things to us like, you're not good enough, you're going to fail, you're underprepared, you don't fit in, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too young, you're too old, whatever the story is. This inner critic leaves us feeling stuck and deflated and often can sabotage our success in business or in life. So I want women to interrupt that story. I want women to ask themselves, is that story really true? And most of the time it's not. And we need to start taking control. We need to start to create this more empowering story that helps us feel more confident, helps us take action and helps us change that negative conversation that we have with ourselves. It's so important. We change our story. We change our life. Mm, She's vicious, isn't she? I mean, I talk to a lot of clients who are just she's vicious and she gets in there and she it's a spiral and some of my clients I've asked them to name her (laughs) just to go you know what you just need to name her and then you need to kick her to the curb or figure out what the truth is in everything that she's telling you 
Absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, Emma, the thing I, I talk about with this whole confidence thing is that often people think there are so many myths around confidence. And a lot of people think, you know, or look at other women and go, oh, she must have been born with confidence or she's an extrovert. She's got so much confidence. None of that is true. You know, we are not born with confidence. You know, we don't come out of the womb and we're confident babies, confident newborns. It doesn't happen like that. You know, confidence is a skill. It's something we can learn and we have to work really hard at. And the more we work at it, I I talk about it as a muscle. The more we use that muscle, the more confident we get. And to your point earlier, the more we uh, lift each other up as women, the more confident we get together. Yeah, and I love in your book you touch on strengths and um, I'm a strengths practitioner and so a lot of my work with women is about playing to their strengths which then builds their confidence and builds that muscle and I so I love that. Absolutely. As a recovering workaholic, would you call yourself a recovering workaholic? Yes, I absolutely would. <laughs> well, I would. I think some days I still she creeps, you know, it's, it's like any addiction you have to work out for your whole life. And it's one I continuously have to work on because I do have those moments where where my husband says, okay, you're being that workaholic again. Oh, bless. Okay. Oh, what a good husband (laughs) to point that out. (laughs) Yes. Very kind. Yeah. (laughs) What lessons do you have on how we can look after ourselves better? And what strategies have you put in place to make sure you don't fall back into that trap? Apart from a husband who's outstanding in reminding you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's handy to have them on the side. So I recommend that to all. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's just not a badge I want to own these days. You know, it was one I did want to own subconsciously in my earlier days and it served me very well building my career but it doesn't serve me well today and it hasn't for a very long time so I notice those signs and I know when when that workaholic starts to creep back in I need to add change or delete something in my life to make sure that doesn't happen you know one of the biggest ones Emma is that we need to set boundaries it's so important that we set boundaries for ourselves because if we don't set boundaries for ourselves someone else will set them for us and you know I promise you uh, as you know we will not like those boundaries because they're not on our terms so set boundaries is really really key learn to say no is another one again you know we say yes because our inclination is to be people pleasers so learn to say no and start to become comfortable with that I think you know share the load you know again as women we say we can do it all I've got this because we don't want to share the load because sometimes we feel well that means I'm not capable or I'm not good enough or I'm weak you know sharing the load is awesome many hands make light work so you know don't feel ashamed to say I want to share the load and really be kind to yourself don't let that negative talk creep in love yourself respect yourself and be really kind to yourself you are an awesome amazing authentic human being that has so much to offer to the world but we have to start with being good to ourselves and filling our own soul and filling our own tank yeah I like that I think the other thing is um, when we talk about the negative self-talk speak to yourself like you'd speak to your best friend and I'm pretty sure our negative talk is not best friends (laughs) no we would not say some of those things I'm sure I'm sure tell me for our audience what's your 80 20 rule yeah. When I hit burnout, I one of the things I, I had to do was obviously change the way I lived my life. And I bought in this 80-20 rule. And I'm not a big fan of work-life balance. And, you know, that's been thrown around for a number of decades. And I've never been a fan. I don't believe that we should put 
life into one little neat box and work into another little neat box. They both have to coexist. And so I came up with life imbalance and my life imbalance is 80-20. And yours can be whatever you like. You know, it's whatever works for you. But 80% of my life needs to be in balance and 20% can be chaotic. And I like that 20% as well. That's super fun. You know, it makes us resilient and brings excitement and and brings in the unknown and um, it's fun. So we need some of that as well. But I know when my life isn't, those scales aren't sitting there at 80-20, then I start to feel out of balance. I start to feel overwhelmed. The anxiety can creep in. I start to feel exhausted. So I know that I have to add change or delete something in my life to get that scale back to that 80-20, which is what I call my happy place. So again, I encourage all women and, and your listeners to think about what your life imbalance is, what's your happy place, because life imbalance is our responsibility. No one's going to say to you, hey, Emma, hey, Cole, take a load off, go and have a day spa. You know, you've been working really hard. No one's going to say that to us. So it's our responsibility to work out what does that look like, that life imbalance, and then how do we make that happen? And then how do we recognize when it's not happening and what can we do to change it? I love you've called it imbalance. And I also love that you have said out loud that you quite like the chaotic, the 20% of chaos, and that's where creativity comes, and that's all the fun pieces. Otherwise, life would be a bit boring, I reckon. <laughs> oh, it'd be so boring. It'd be so boring. You know, some people, you might think a 50-50 balance is right for you. If that works for you, awesome. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you've been a go-getter your entire life. What do you attribute to your own success? Yeah, I think there's a number of things. I think success for me and that go-getter started in the home. It really started with my upbringing. And in my book, I think part of the opening of my book says, I credit the woman and leader I am today to my parents. And my parents are just incredible human beings. And and their story shaped who I am. And, and I'll tell you a little bit about that quickly. My father came to Australia when he was four years of age with his family, a couple of suitcases, the clothes they wore and a tiny bit of savings. And they came in search of a, a better life. And, you know, they worked hard. My grandfather was a concreter and builder. My grandmother picked peas and potatoes on the farm. My father left school at the age of 14 to go and get a job and support the family. And he was a workhorse and still is today. He's in his early 70s and he's still a workhorse today, not that he needs to be. Um, but he worked day and night. He worked as a concreter by day and in the abattoirs by night. And so he instilled in, in us hard work and that money was really important and that money was hard to come by. So be really respectful of it. And so he, he worked really hard. My father's a property entrepreneur today and none of his family are here to see who he is and what he's become, but he is absolutely incredible. And then my mum came from a very different background. She was one of 12 children, which is very unheard of today. Oh my goodness. She was one of, yeah, one of 12 children. And her father was an alcoholic and her mother actually passed away when my mum was only 21 years of age. So she had younger siblings. She had myself who was one and my brother who was two and looked after a grandmother. And so she became this incredible, beautiful nurturer and people were at the heart of everything she did. And I call her the Mother Teresa of the world because that's how she lived her life. And she still lives her life like that today. And so I, I talk about Emma, I got these beautiful habits and genes and attributes from both this workhorse and this Mother Teresa. And I think, you know, that combination has really served me really well throughout my whole life. And I draw on them every day of my life in some way, shape or form. Every day I think about 
you know, when I'm doing things, how they've affected my life and contributed to it in such a, a beautiful, positive way. They must be very proud of you. I hope so. Uh, you know, I <laughs> you hope, hope so. <laughs> uh, I hope so. Uh, you know, I, I talk about my father being a very strong Italian man and, you know, they're, they're often not ones to say I'm proud of you, but you always know in the little things that they say that they are. I, re- I remember uh, being on the work site with my father and he'd say things like, um, you know, go and ask the boss, she's over there, she knows what's going on, you know, and I'm eight years of age. And to me that was him saying you're doing good or, you know, he'd say you're my worker by day and bank manager by night, you know, when I'd count the money at the end of the day. And, you know, so all of those things were, I suppose, in his way, a way of saying I'm proud of you. Oh, how lovely. It's so nice to hear about positive impact the parents make and they probably didn't even think that they were doing they were just getting on with their lives and probably your dad to begin with was just in survival mode and you've got this beautiful work ethic and he's still got that work ethic (laughs) yes so that's just wonderful have you got any final thoughts or words of inspiration to share with our audience and maybe some practical tips if you've got some on someone who is in the midst of their career, corporate career, or maybe they own their own business and might want some tips on just how to prevent burnout. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think the first thing I would say to your beautiful listeners is go for it, okay? There are going to be so many people out there that are going to tell you that your dreams are too big, your goals are too ambitious, you're never going to make it, someone else is going to do it better than you, someone's already done it. Whether that be your colleagues, your co-workers, your parents, your boss, and I'm going to tell you to go for it. Women are changing this world and making an impact on this world every single day. So don't let anyone hold you back. Believe in yourself every step of the way, even when you fall over you know, believe in yourself. I think one of the really key things in terms of a tip, Emma, is surround yourself with people that love and want to support you. Surround yourself with your cheer squad because there are going to be, again, a lot of people in life that are not going to want to see you succeed. So surround yourself with those people that are going to pick you up and dust you off and get you on your way again when you fall over because we are going to fall over in life. We're going to fall over a lot, you know, whether that be we get to burn out, whether that be we miss out on that promotion, it doesn't matter. We are going to fall over. So surround your people with the people that are going to love you, support you and keep telling you you can go for it and you can achieve your goals and dreams. So I think that's really important. And as women, it is so important that we support each other. We've got a lot of change ahead of us to make and collectively is the only way we are going to make that change. There are no lone rangers that can can do the changes that we need in the world ahead and we need to change it for my daughter and her daughter and I'm not sure if you have children Emma but we need to make change three children yeah we need to make change so let's do this together and there is enough success in this world for everyone 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 can have some success so yeah that'd be some of my tips Absolutely. I've got three daughters ranging from seven to 21. So I love it. Yeah. So we're definitely paving the way for the next generation, which part worries me, part terrifies me and part excites me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Where can people find you and where can they get a copy of this amazing book called Leader by Design? How can they contact you? Yeah, sure. You can jump on my website, which is www 
www.colleencalendar.com.au and you can buy the book there if you want and I'll even sign it for you. Um, or you can jump, jump on Booktopia, which is always, you know, my favourite place to get my books. Jump on Booktopia, order it there. But, yeah, you can find out lots about me on my website, my Mentor Me programs there, my coaching programs on there. But, you know, if you buy the book, awesome. If you bought the book and read it, please give it to another woman and share it with her. I just really want my book to be in as many women's hands as possible because I'm having, I was saying to you earlier, I'm getting messages daily on women saying to me, Cole, you have changed my life or you are changing my life. So to what we were talking about, our job collectively, we're doing the work, Emma, which is awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on Tea with the Queen. I know that our audience will have been fascinated and captivated by what we've spoken about today. And I wish you all the best. And I can't wait to spread your book love around. I'm going to order some copies for some of my corporate clients. It's going to be awesome. And we wish you all the best. Please keep in touch. Thank you so much, Emma. And you keep doing the amazing job you're doing. It was so wonderful to chat with you today. Thanks again. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. And if you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au.